Hey, everybody, it's Ed. Before we get started, I have three people I want to thank. Aaron Wheat, Christy Knackard, and Darren Nordhagen. Aaron, Christy, and Darren all signed up to support the podcast through Patreon. So if you want to learn more about that or other options, you go to mountainandpray.com slash support. Thank you very much. Hey, this is Ed Robertson, and this is the Mountain and Prairie Podcast, where I introduce you to some of the innovative individuals who are shaping the future of the American West. I meet most of these people through my work in land conservation or through my hobbies and interests that revolve around spending time up high in the mountains. My guests include ranchers, writers, entrepreneurs, conservationists, athletes, artists, adventurers, pretty much anyone who's doing important work, has an interesting story, and loves the American West. My guest today is Jessica Alala Ole. Jessica is a New Mexico-based artist who specializes in handcrafted jewelry inspired by the natural world and the landscapes of the American West. Through her online store called Cobra Cult Jewelry, Jessica has built a loyal following of customers and admirers who are drawn to her uniquely stunning designs as well as her authentic and unconventional lifestyle. Jessica's personality is a unique mix of confident yet humble, social yet solitary, fiercely independent, yet fully devoted to her friends and family. A special blend of traits that have allowed her to create unique art and a -a one-of-a-kind life. Jessica grew up in Hawaii, but now lives on a spectacular property in northern New Mexico, on the western slope of the Sangre de Cristo mountain range. Her jewelry studio looks out onto the mountains, and she and her partner Cody are in the process of building an adobe cabin from the ground up. But while the views are spectacular, their lives are currently fully focused on hard work, home construction, jewelry making, and the day-to-day realities of running Jessica's business. Their vision and work ethic are extremely inspiring, and it was a pleasure to meet and record this episode at their property. We sat down in Jessica's studio and had a wonderful and wide-ranging conversation. We started by chatting about the property, how they decided to move there, how they acquired it, and their plans for it. We then talked about Jessica's journey as an artist and why and when she decided to make a go of it as a full-time jewelry maker. We talk about the influence of her parents, her artistic influences, her love of motorcycles and tattoos, and how social media has helped her to grow her business. We also discuss her commitment to positivity, the roots of her independent streak, and she offers up some excellent advice for other aspiring artists. And as usual, we discuss favorite books, films, the best advice she's ever received, and much more. Be sure to check out the episode notes for links to everything we discuss. Hope you enjoy. Normally, or a lot of times I do these things on Skype. Yeah. And luckily I did not do this one on Skype because this is probably the coolest place I've recorded one of these things. So, Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Can you um, maybe just talk about where we are right now? Yeah. We're in northern New Mexico about... 10 miles from the Colorado border, um, 10 miles south of the Colorado border. Yeah, yeah. And the closest town is Cuesta. It's really small. But, um, and at the base of the Sangre de Cristo Mountains, um, near the Latir Wilderness. And we really are, like, right at the base. We're um, yep. we're sitting in a workshop <laughs> staring at the side of the mountain. Um, it's really awesome. So how did you end up here? Because I want to kind of go through your whole 
your whole progression because you've you're a long way from where you grew up. But how, yes. <laughs> how, what what led you to be here right now? Specifically, New Mexico. Um, we had uh, gone on a few road trips and stopped to see some friends in Taos. Yeah. And so originally, I thought, oh, let's move to Taos. It's a nice place. It's inspiring. It's beautiful. And then that turned into having, you know, the the idea, the dream of maybe owning some property this way. And at the time, we were living in Northern California, but then that turned into having dinner uh, with a, a friend in, Port- in Portland when uh-huh. I was visiting there. And her dad just happened to have some property that was for sale. Oh, cool. And so we discussed with her, you know, just casually, and then fast forward maybe six months we were calling her dad and then looking at the property <laughs> that so we're cool. living on now, which is 30 minutes away from where I kind of originally thought we would end up yeah. if we bought property. But I actually like it a lot better up here. Well, I was telling you when I got here that I've driven by this, I don't know how many times, and I'll, there's one big valley back there that I always wonder, what I wonder what's back there. And your place is right at the mouth of that valley. Yeah. It's really cool. Whenever I drive home from Taos, when I run errands, I think... I live in a place where a lot of people drive by and go, who the heck lives there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we live here. <laughs> you live here and the wild horses live across the yep. street. I mean, it's uh, it's really a spectacular place. Um, maybe let's let's just start at the beginning. Um, you did not grow up in the high desert, huh? No. Where'd you grow up? <laughs> uh, I grew up on the big island in Hawaii. So, And how did your family get there? How did your, how'd, were your, how'd your parents get there? My grandparents decided to move there, actually, after my my mom was already an adult at the time, and my uncle was much younger, so he actually moved there with my grandparents. They opened a business, and my mom, in a a sort of interesting um, string of events, she ended up meeting my dad in San Francisco, who's Hawaiian. Oh, okay. And then... That's how she ended up in Hawaii. So I feel like Hawaii was just pulling my family, yeah, pulling my family there. And that's my mother's side. So they grew up in Wisconsin. Got it. Um, that's where they're originally from. So that's very different than Hawaii. But my dad, of course, uh, was born in Hawaii. And so, so what was that like growing up there? I mean, oh, how, how does that? Wonderful. I've never even. I've never <laughs> even been. I mean, I've never. I've never been. I want to go because I like to. I surf very badly, but I'd love. I don't even yeah. know where to start though because of all the different islands. I mean, um, talk about Hawaii. The Big Island where I grew up. Um, it's it's obviously big. Yeah, but there. I think it's. And don't quote me on this, but they have all but two of the world's climates on one island. I think I've heard that before. Yeah, and then even on the top of Haleakala. Um, Oh, no. Excuse me. I've been away for a long time. <laughs> Mauna Kea, it snows. Yeah, yeah. And people, you know, they're having a lot of uh, turmoil that, you know, uh, with the Is that with the, the telescope? telescope? Yeah. And I haven't kept up with that. I've been pretty far removed right now, but I, I don't know enough about it to really speak to it. But it's a pretty sacred place, so it... it Maybe the telescope doesn't need to go there. No, that's what um, is funny. We were, we were talking before we started recording about how we both try to not try to ignore the news. Yeah, because it can make you so upset. But a little that, negative. That even got through my very strict filter. Like I was very aware of that. So. I I think it'd be pretty safe to say that I'd be against it. Yeah, 
But, uh, yeah, so the Big Island, um, yeah, basically grew up on the beach. Uh-huh. Um, little beach baby eating sand. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> grew up in the water. My brother was a surfer, so we were very um, connected to nature there. And were you... Like, did you, because your dad was from there, and I mean, were you considered, like, a, a native Hawaiian? Uh, no. Really? <laughs> I, I'm, I was considered to most people to be a Haole, That's but I'm actually technically a Hapa Haole because um, I have Hawaiian blood in me. So, But I look more um, Caucasian. Okay. Because my mom is, like, a redhead with freckly pale skin. So, And then mix that with my dad, it was really dark skin. And I guess this was what you get. <laughs> sure. Was that I mean, I get tan, tough? but... I mean, was that Yeah, tough? that was really tough. That's it what I've heard a, stories. It was very, like... Uh, yeah, a lot of hard knocks, I guess. It's... Especially before, because it's pre-internet. Sure. Before people found a lot of things that they had in common. Uh-huh. And, you know, uh, before cell phones, really. Yeah. I'm dating myself. Sure. But um, they... Yeah, I got picked on a lot, to say. Just for... Just, basically color color yeah your skin. well and then it didn't help that that was sort of the grunge era and i was kind of into nirvana and i had pink hair and pierced my nose when i was like 13 and Did you so really? that didn't really <laughs> that didn't really help <laughs> i wonder i mean being the other that's know? no obviously no fun but you wonder if that is kind of a can give you a, a perspective that most people or most white people don't have yeah being a minority um, i think it kind of had a chip on my shoulder for a little bit um maybe when i was a teenager because i was hawaiian i was kind of like uh, like give me i'm actually here. like hawaiian here and yeah i'm being picked on so but now that i go now i go back i definitely definitely feel more welcome that's cool in my own home so place. you mentioned, we'll call it independent streak, dyeing your hair. Yeah. And ring. Where did that come from? Either your oh. parents like that? Because you, no. I mean, you've obviously still got it. I mean, in a, in a, in a great way. Yeah. Um, but what, so your parents are not I like that? I was always kind of in my family, like the weird kid. Your like, brother's not it, like that? No. Well, I mean, he was, he was a wild child for sure, but he's also a boy. So he got away with everything that yeah. I didn't get yeah. away with. <laughs> But, and he was a surfer and he had that, I think I was really artistic. So I had a lot of, you know, teen angst, which is sure. not that unique, but, um, I didn't have, you know, it was a small island town and I loved the beach, but I think I just needed a little bit more. Like I needed some artistic way to express myself and I, I just didn't have the community to find it. What kind of art were you doing? Oh man collages you know uh-huh. stuff you do in your room when you're listening to angsty teen music yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you'd be in your room so you did that you you didn't have men there wasn't a big community of artists there it was uh not in like not connected to my family like okay. we were out i grew up in a real outdoorsy family like nice. my dad was into fishing and he actually did like some skin diving and a waterman yeah he was really yeah. into the water and then my 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 brother was a surfer and then my mom she just was a, an avid hiker and uh-huh. backpacker, and of course, I got dragged on all those things. I, I'm one of those people that now I'm just, that's all I want to do is be out in the wilderness, but when I was younger, since my parents 
because of the type of teenager I was, I was like, you want me to do this? I don't want to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Even though it's awesome, I'm going to pretend I hate it. (laughs) I read somewhere, I think I was looking at different interviews you'd done, and it was one that said you think you might be basically turning into your mom. (laughs) Kind of. And my dad, like simultaneously, because my dad actually is uh, building an organic, you know, I would call it like a fruit farm. Uh-huh. He, I don't really know if he kind of knows exactly what he's doing, but yeah. he's they're living off the land, they're off grid, and oh wow! And now I'm like, oh my god! Now I'm doing what my dad was doing, <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I find that I am I'm definitely taking on the things that my parents and you know showed me. That's a good deal. So went to high school in Hawaii. Get out of high school. Then what happened? Well, actually. Um, I went to high school for two years in Oregon. Oh, okay. We moved to Portland. So the last two years? Yeah. Okay. And I, for some reason, was obsessed with Portland when I was a teenager. And so I just, I was just so happy to move there. Was it the grunge? It was the like, maybe it was the rain and the wetness and, um, and then also the city, yeah. you know, I was like, oh man, you can just take a train and you'd like go to the mall, you know, like all that boring. <laughs> I... I think I was confused. I definitely like different things now, but you have to experience the city a little bit to oh, yeah. well, you don't know, know if you it. love it or don't love it. <laughs> so last two years in Oregon, and then... then oh, and then you? I actually stayed in in, or, in Portland for... Ooh, until I was... Until like five years ago, or four and a half years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so I was there before I moved to Hayfork in Northern California. Okay. And so, what like what kind of work were you doing there? Because oh. the the jewelry has been you told me so six, much, really, <laughs> like just a, a variety. And was art always the consistent theme? I was always artistic, yeah. And um, I don't think I found my medium. And actually, it's funny because now that I'm that I am an artist, yeah. I I actually am drawn to other mediums like ceramics and uh-huh. like some fiber arts I'm really interested in. But at the time, I think I was just sort of fumbling around with a bunch of different things. And I didn't quite, nothing quite clicked until I, I got into jewelry. So what was the first, what was your first kind of intro into jewelry? I mean, where did that, how did that enter? That It was just a hobby. Okay. Yeah. Just and started doing I it for just, fun. I think I, I lost an earring and then I, my friend's like, you could just make make it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I started making my own earrings and I was working at a place called Buffalo Exchange. Okay. I worked there for a long time and I made actually all my very best friends were the friends that I made at Buffalo Exchange. For some reason, we're all just really close. Are they all kind of artsy as well? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I was working there and yeah, just playing around with different art forms and then my friend and I, um, my friend Claire, mm-hmm. she and I decided we we're going to team up and we we're both going to make jewelry and then we we're going to sell it out of a suitcase <laughs> at the, I think it's first Thursday or last Thursday. It was, this feels like ages ago, but, um, you know, like a street fair where anyone can set up stuff yeah. on the side of the road and sell yeah. stuff. And now I look back and I'm like, man, that was wild. Yeah. Like we would just take suitcase and a little table and we'd open it up and then i mean i think i was selling things for like 20 dollars you know and then if i made 35 bucks i was like wow (laughs) that's so cool and so i kind of realized i could have this you know modest very modest side hustle 
When did you, I mean, so just selling, selling something, even if it is $20, it feels $10, good. I mean, that's a big deal. <laughs> You're like, wow, someone liked this? They yeah. paid money for it? Yeah. When you get, when, like, it's such, va- I mean, I think having money in your pocket's great, but it, in some ways it's just this validation, like, all right, yeah. this is legit. I mean, I've got the Patreon thing on for the podcast and I remember when I put it out there and I got the first notification that You're somebody, like, what? like, wait, what? You know, <laughs> yeah. and, and it, it I love the the money, but more importantly, it's like, all right, this resonates with people. You know, so whatever I'm doing is resonating with at least a few people. And so, was that was it almost like addictive after that? Like, I want to keep doing this, or I've, did you I've doubt yourself? I've consistently sold jewelry from then. I mean, that was over. That was over ten years ago. Wow. And I mean, it was just piecing together things that I found or going to the whatever craft store and mm-hmm. just. I can't honestly even really describe it feels so long ago, but, um, like the describe what the jewelry, like what the jewelry looked like. It was probably just a reflection of whatever was fashionable at the time, Mm but it probably had feathers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely had feathers, maybe some beads, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good feeling and I've done it ever since, but you know, it's, it's my, I guess you could say career. It is my, my livelihood career sounds weird because I feel that I feel like I'll, I feel like I might do other things one day. Like career sounds like a forever sure. thing, but yeah, I've just always done that on the side. And then I owned I owned a shop with my mom called the One Stop Sustainability Shop. Nice. My mom was very sustainable, uh-huh. <laughs> and then we after two years we realized she just wanted to help people be sustainable. And I actually needed to make some money because I hadn't, we hadn't paid me in two years. So on the, that's when it really got kicked up into something. I took classes and got better at what I was doing. That's when I started silversmithing mm-hmm. because we weren't paying me anything for my work and I needed a little bit of money to buy yeah. food. Yeah. But that, that experience owning the store with my mom made me realize I don't ever want to own a store. <laughs> Well, I was talking with somebody about this recently, and owning a store... It's hard. Well, it's just... its Owning any... Like a retail shop, like that is is a business into itself. Yeah. And then whatever you have a passion... Like, like I, I used to think I want to own an outdoor gear store. Ooh. And outdoor gear is cool. But yeah. the, I, the, the reality of retail is rough, especially now. And you find that you end up doing less of the things that you love because you're so busy, you know, running the store. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that didn't work out. And then after that, I worked at a grocery store, mm-hmm. a health food store, which I just, yeah, just those, the job where you have to, like, ask to use the bath. Like, may I, I'm going to use the restroom. Is that okay? I just can't no, <laughs> do it. Fair enough. Same I here. Just, I wanted, I think I always knew I wanted to be in charge of my own schedule yeah. and have flexibility. Flexibility is really important to me. Definitely. If something comes up, I want to be able to shift things around or hustle harder so I can do what it is that I want to do. Are you, do you consider yourself to be pretty self-driven and motivated? Cause yeah, you gotta be, I mean, yeah, but it, so, it I mean, don't get otherwise. me wrong. Sometimes I'm like, I, I could be, I, I'd say 95% of the time I have the, the discipline to, if I have to work, I'll work. I'd say that's pretty damn but, good. Five percent of the time, you know, a friend comes to visit and they're like, "Didn't take the day off," and I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, when you're self-employed, especially as an artist, the more you work, the more you you know you sell. Mm-hmm. 
the more income you have. And so there's ebbs and flows for sure. You, you mentioned that you took classes. Um, what did you learn in those classes? That- I took a stone, like a general silversmithing class. Uh-huh. And that was probably the first time I ever like actually soldered something. Yeah. I mean, and it, if anyone ever wants to get into, like I get a lot of emails asking me, how did you get into, you know, jewelry making? And I just took classes like uh, silversmithing um, particularly. Well, yeah. that's the, what's interesting about it is because it's, is art obviously, but it's also a, a craft. I mean, it's yeah. it's something that like I've had a lot of painters on the podcast, and half of them went to art school, and half of them didn't, and taught themselves. But I would think with what you're doing, it is a skill that's been passed down generation and generation yeah. and generation. And you could probably hurt yourself if you're not doing it. Right? You, <laughs> I've burned my fingers a few times. Yeah, you're just showing me like there's like a vat of acid over there and stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> or I've gotten the worst thing that's happened is I've I've gotten my um. My Fordham, uh, it's a flex shaft. It's it's really just a, a Dremel tool, but uh-huh. every jeweler, almost, well, I'm assuming every jeweler has one, but I got it stuck in my hair once. It just wound up, you know, because it's a it's a disc, and I was like, whoa! I mean, it's it's got a foot pedal, but that was jarring. <laughs> oh That's probably God. the scariest thing that I've done. I, I managed to get my hair up, but... That's really, that's really scary. <laughs> that's probably the scariest thing. But, uh, yeah, really just makes my, makes my uh, stomach feel weird. Thing yeah. About <laughs> well, you, your, your hair is safe. Yeah. You it would hair, reach but... You have buzz cut. <laughs> the, but, uh, they were just night classes at the, um, it was Oregon College of Arts and Crafts. Okay. And so, you know, be like two nights a week. And so it was very casual. It wasn't like art school. So I think anyone, I mean, anyone can learn how to do uh, to silversmith. Sure. Um, when did you decide, all right, or what, at what moment, I guess you decide all right, I can do this full time. Like this can be my career. I don't because- know if I, I don't know if I thought I, I can, I, I think I thought I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> uh, it was when I was working at the grocery store and I was actually just, um, I was a cashier. So eight hours a day, it was like, Mm-hmm. And you know, I like I'm really social. Yeah. Which is kind of weird for someone who lives in the middle of nowhere. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> but uh so I like the social aspect of working a job like that, but it just wasn't fulfilling and I found myself getting really depressed and mm-hmm. so and then I also went through a really bad breakup, which things like that tend to just throw you into, you know, you're just like, All right, I'm just gonna take a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. And so I just decided I'm gonna do this full time. And it was very hard <laughs> yeah. for like the first, I'd say three years at least. I mean, I was just broke all the time, but mm-hmm. I was selling stuff, but just not a lot of stuff. Was there a moment when it really took off or was it, was it like a very, very slow build to where you are now? Or was I'd it say like no, nothing, 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 then something, it took off? It was a slow build for those first three years. And then once I moved um, to the mountains... I don't know, something just clicked. And I think the inspiration was there. The time was there yeah. <laughs> to really, you know, really grind. Was it really... a similar setup to how we are here, pretty remote? Yeah, I'd say remote. We were closer to town, but we were up on a hill. So, I mean, we felt like, I mean, you couldn't see your neighbors. And, I mean, the town was actually smaller than the town that we live close to now. Um Hay Fork, okay, yeah. California. Never been there. <laughs> uh, it's in Trinity County. Okay, um, near the Trinity Alps, which I'm obsessed with. Very cool. I. It's a beautiful area. It's very mountainous. Very, 
I mean, it's in the Emerald Triangle, so it's got all that marijuana yep. stuff going on. But it, I think that it just clicked. I had, I had the work ethic, and I had the time to work, mm-hmm. and I had the inspiration, and I had no friends. Yeah, <laughs> I think I made, I made some friends eventually, but so I, I didn't really have a social life to keep, keep me busy. So how was that being a, a social person? I mean, I did hard. <laughs> I, see, I think that's impressive though that you're able to because I would think it could go one of two ways: you either dive into your work, or you just generally get kind of depressed and like will tell. Yeah, you know? I think to be honest, I, I cried a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had a lot of friends in Portland. Um, I had a big group of lady friends, and I mean, we hung out all the time. Yeah. And I actually, well, I moved to Hayfork originally for love uh-huh. and then also because for the man out there on the roof yeah the man on the roof building the cabin for me right now <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i i also think that it deep inside me i just knew it was the right choice even though it was hard mm-hmm. and then now looking back it was the most the best decision and the most transformational time of my life so obviously for business but for was there other transformation yeah like i never hung out by myself ever when i lived in the city and now i mean i could go like weeks (laughs) do you do do you do any sort of meditation or mindfulness stuff at all oh i wish i could say that um i'd say my meditation is more like you know taking the dogs out into the forest sure leaving the phone at home or something yeah but i think i have a hard time sitting still in general yeah that's a good thing, I think. As long yeah. as you, as long as you recognize I it, and yeah. I, I mean, you obviously you you channel it into the right places. Um, but before we go any farther, let's talk about the man on the roof because yeah, <laughs> he's an impressive dude. I yeah. mean that that uh, house is really awesome. This whole thing is awesome. I can't believe how big it is because when we first started talking about it, I mean, my studio was like, I don't know, what is it like? I should know the measurements, but I don't. Well. Nope. It's like, I don't know, like a 7 by 14 or 8 by 14 or something. And I pictured it being like twice as big as this. And I mean, our house, I call it the adobe cabin because it's kind of half cabin, half adobe. And it's it's like huge. How did y'all meet? (laughs) Um, We met through mutual friends. And then we spent some time traveling because he was in northern california and then i was in portland uh-huh. so i would meet him halfway or he'd come up to portland and we'd hang out with friends and we actually have a lot of mutual friends so it was an easy transition but and he was actually supposed to move to portland to be with me and then i think he just came up one day and he just said i can't do it i can't live in the city and i was like all right let's move to hayfork <laughs> and so then i moved down there and i mean it was just a no-brainer. I just didn't even second-guess it. I just moved down there. And we lived in the trailer, actually, the first couple months on a ranch. He was a ranch hand. Okay. Which was really cool, because then I got to help out on the ranch and see the horses every day, and that was neat. And I didn't have a studio down there, so I had to travel back to Portland every two weeks mm-hmm. and then work out of the studio I had there for, like, a week and then go down <clears throat> and... Yeah, that wasn't <laughs> going to last very long. So That's, um, I would imagine you figure out pretty quickly whether or not you're supposed to be with somebody in those tight yeah. quarters and hard work. I mean, because obviously, like where where we are right now, it's beautiful, and but it's cold and you it's guys so are cold. working your asses off. Like this is not yeah. like frolicking in the wilderness. Like y'all are, y'all are both 
cranking hard. So, I mean, how, how, when did you know, like, all right, this 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 guy can be my partner for, for he's all of this? Impulsive, and he's no dream is too big. Really. <laughs> Uh, and I'm more calculated. And so that's kind of an interesting combo. I think, yeah, before we bought this property, he's like, let's, let's buy it. I just feel like we should buy it. And I was like, let's think about it. Let's think about buying it. And he's like, and then I think we just, I was like, okay, we'll buy it. (laughs) And then now we have it and I'm looking back and I was like, if he had just caved and he hadn't pushed for that, we wouldn't be here right now. So he's just, he's, um... He has a he's hungry for life. Yeah. Yeah. And and I am too, but being with him makes it so that I don't hold myself back. He's kind of the inspiration that pushes me. Yeah, yeah. He he definitely um I'm just so impressed that you guys have built all this in a relatively short period of time, you know? Yeah. And he's he is he is a mountain man. I mean, he's not... He's not a constraint. He's not like he spent his no. entire life in construction. That's what <laughs> He just learns by doing. It's crazy. I'm I'm looking over there like, at what point in the last four years did you learn how to build a cabin? <laughs> when all the electricity and I mean, it's... Well, actually, we had a friend help with the electrical. I, okay, nice. I had of as a firm. Yeah. Because <laughs> I actually wired the all the electrical for my shop. Oh, did you? And I couldn't sleep for two weeks because I was worried that when we hooked the solar up, nothing would work Uh and it worked. So I was like, you know, I don't want to live through that again. So we actually have a friend who was an electrician. He came down and, you know, they drank beers and then worked on it together. So it's, it's legit. (laughs) So how, when do you think it'll be ready to go? I think it'll be ready to go. Ooh. Hopefully by the end of May. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> or June. Don't but, push it in. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, well, that's that's really neat. It's, I'm very impressed by all this. Um, how would you, how do you describe your jewelry? Oh, that's like the hardest question for someone like me. Um, or I know, here's a better one. What What are the influence of, influences of your jewelry? Because we're sitting here in your workshop or in your studio and you've got all these really cool books yeah, I'm definitely a book collector. So we've got, um, I see right next to each other, the alchemy alchemy and mysticism next to 1,000 nudes. <laughs> yeah, so like, the well, nudes maybe not so much. I don't actually know where I got that book. But um, Yeah, like what, what are your yeah. big influences? And it could well, be any obviously art. nature. Sure. And then actually color plays a lot into, um, maybe it doesn't sound as interesting, but I'm really, I'm a... I'm really into water. Uh-huh. And so, of course, I'm drawn to turquoise or any of those types of stones that have that, like, deep blue or deep green. Yep. Um, I'm definitely inspired by, um, yeah, just, I don't know why that's such a hard question for me. There was one thing I read somewhere, and I don't know if it's for your for your jewelry in particular, but you said you were, you know, nature- and then you said motorcycle culture. Was yeah, it you know, I used to be more, I think since I've moved to the mountains, that just fell off. Because so like when you say motorcycle culture, what does that mean? Like when you think of that? Like Fast and the Furious crotch rockets? Just joking. No, more, <laughs> just like, joking. more like the 70s vibe. Yeah, that's what, I used to ride a motorcycle and I'm, I still could. And I have a motorcycle. I just, it just isn't as important to me. How did you get into riding motorcycles? Um... I got into it uh, when I was in Portland, uh-huh. and actually, I didn't have a vehicle for a really long time, so all I had was a motorcycle. Okay. 
And this is definitely like cliche, but my, my ex partner was really into motorcycles. So naturally I was like, well, I want to ride a motorcycle too. Yeah, Yeah. And then all the people around us were kind of into bikes or. Did you ever have any close calls? Um, well, <laughs> I definitely dumped my bike like twice and I burnt my ankle on the pipe. Um, which like it landed really on bad. Your- right before I went on a road trip. So I had this like second degree burn on my ankle for a while, which, you know, that hurt. But and, yeah, don't hit your front brake in the gravel. <laughs> so I never made that mistake again. And I went on a really long road trip with um, my ex-partner and mm-hmm. that was an amazing experience. And I think that's what I like about riding bikes. It's not really riding around the city, like ride to the bar, like, you know, I mean, that's just not a good idea. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I think when you're out riding to beautiful places, but you're physically, you're not like in a vehicle, you're actually in the wind and you're smelling the, you know, the sagebrush or the pine and... I think that's what's special about motorcycle riding. It's not really the... I think I used to be caught up in the sort of social aspect of it, mm-hmm. and now not so much. Now that I... I think it was more of the traveling aspect that I really liked. I used to just... I just had a very little motorcycle that I'd ride around and during grad school, and I remember it's in a way it's kind of like surfing or like rock climbing and that it forces you to get in the zone or it forced me to, cause I never got comfortable with it. Yeah. And I was always really, really focused. And so just driving from school to my house would be this pretty intense focused experience, which is neat. But I remember, you know, like you drive over a hill and go down and then the, the air would be a lot cooler and then you go up and it warms up and it's just, you're all, you're so focused in on the environment and you're in yeah. it, you know, you're not in this bubble of a car. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's not always comfortable. No. Like, riding a motorcycle is, you get aches and pains, and you're, if, especially if you're going far, I mean, and then, oh, and then is there a monsoon coming, mm-hmm. you know, and then you're drenched, and I definitely had some, like, toe warmers in my boots a sure. few times, or, but I think, yeah, being exposed to the elements makes it more exciting, but maybe not always, you know the most comfortable experience. Yeah, it's a unique thing. I was actually thinking about motorcycles the other day, and I saw somebody riding one. I love those BMW motorcycles. Those are like, fast. <laughs> they're fast. And I watched this documentary about um, Ewan McGregor, that actor, and one of his buddies, and they did a motorcycle trip around the world. I've seen that, it yeah. So, it's maybe seven or eight episodes. That's when Very I watched cool. that. I got so obsessed with it. Yeah. And I, and it was when I lived in Jackson Hole. And in North Carolina, I had no desire to ride a motorcycle. But then when you see these wide open spaces out here and there's no traffic. When and, you can really open it up, yeah, too. Yeah, I was Actually, thinking, man, that'd be cool. I think my favorite place to ride a bike was probably, like, across Nevada. Because there's just nothing wide there. Open. And wide I don't open. have to worry about, like, you know, other cars. And you can you can get a little bit more comfortable, I yeah. feel like, going fast. Sure. It's, um, I ate it one time, though. And, and I've just, now that I have two little girls, I, you know, like yeah. if I, if I were out running or in the mountains or something and like, say I got struck by lightning or whatever happened, I would, obviously I don't want to, you know, hurt myself real bad or die, but that's the, that is the risk of doing those sports and I'm okay with it. If I put myself in a wheelchair riding a motorcycle, I'd never forgive myself Yeah, because I don't like it enough, <laughs> you know? And so I just have to do that math. Um, 
but they are fun, man. Yeah, really fun. I just and then also we got dogs. Mm. Oh yeah. And so I don't know. I like to take my dogs everywhere. Yeah. And I was like, well, where do you put a dog on a? I mean, it'd be cool to have the little sidecar. Yeah. But that's not realistic. No. <laughs> <laughs> are sidecars cool? Are they? Are you a joke if you show up with a sidecar? I don't know. I've never. I don't know if I've ever like known someone to have one i've seen them but i don't know if they're in they're never in like a, a game i mean i definitely think if you were riding one of those and you had a dog in the That'd sidecar cool. i mean like people would definitely be giving you thumbs up <laughs> <laughs> i would love to see that but uh i think if i do start riding more it'd probably be dirt bikes yeah or yeah, here i mean you could just take yeah. off on all these roads because i just i've had a lot of friends get in accidents and it's just riding around the city, and I just generally don't go to the city often anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes more sense to have, like, a dual sport or a dirt bike and yeah. to get out in the woods and, and experience. It is. Maybe one day I'll get in, get back into it. <laughs> I better not watch that Ewan McGregor movie again because that's yeah. what sent me over the edge the first time. Um, when did tattoos become oh, part I of Oh, I mean, that? that also kind of just snowballed um, – I always, I like, well, I collaged, right? When oh, I was yeah. a kid. Yeah. Or when I was a teenager. And to me, it's just sort of a collage of all these things that inspire you or you think are beautiful. Mm-hmm. I actually don't have super, super cool stories about all of them. Yeah. You know, I They're get really asked cool. a lot, like, what does it mean? I'm like, I don't know. It was just, I thought it was beautiful and I like to look at it. Um, but then it's funny because a lot of the tattoos, especially living in a cold place, I mean, you never see them. <laughs> sure, sure. But. Yeah, I just think yeah, it's kind of just of a collage of art. When you that were I liked. like when you were trying to figure out like when you decide you want one, were you attracted to the design or to the artist or was it both? Like both. both? Yeah. Um probably the person I would and still get tattooed by is a Cheyenne Sawyer in uh, Portland, Oregon. Okay. I'll He's put a link. done a lot of my tattoo work and He's kind of hard to get in in with though because he's booked out. But Is he really? He's, but he's he's an old friend, and that also makes it comfortable because uh, we can cool. just you know talk story and yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's okay. almost like jewelry you don't have to take off. Sure. Too like I have a lot of hand tattoos, and those are my favorite ones because those are the only ones I see. You can see them. Um, <laughs> Thank, thankfully, I like them. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Do you have but any you don't like? Do you have any? You look I do. At and you're like, yeah, and usually those are the ones where. I think I got it because I was just going through some sort of phase or something. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just with anything, you know, you wouldn't just paint your house a certain way because you like think it's cool at the time. Like it's it's better to stick to like classic. Like I think now I would just get like flowers and butterflies and like yeah. animals, but I have some like more rock and roll style stuff that doesn't really reflect what I'm into now. It's kind of cool but though to yeah. look back at, you know. But yeah, it's it's almost like a. Yeah, it's you're, you're wearing your history. Yeah, you're, and then you know people are like, "Whoa, I didn't know you had a, that tattoo." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, that was when I was like 25." And this How old or that you happened when the first the first one you got? Oh, 18. I went really? right in there. Yep. Right in. What'd your parents think when you got it? Oh, not did not like it didn't at really? all. No, very disapproving. Um, now it's like they don't even see them. I sure. mean, I have so many at this point. I'm not totally covered, but I would say like. I've got a, I've got a few. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm just really interested, and in, I mean, I'm not a psychiatrist, but how you're, how you, where this independent streak came from? Because oh, My- I mean, it's really, I mean, it, it has served you unbelievably well. 
but it sounds like it's completely different than the way your folks are. But I mean, they're yeah. living they're living a life similar now. I guess my dad like, was kind of a rebel, but in a different way. He was really into science, and mm-hmm. he always wanted to like build this crazy scientific like. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't even tell you for most of my life what my dad did for work. Really? Because I just couldn't wrap my brain around like what he was putting satellites on top of things and oh wow, taking me to all these different places and then, um, yeah, my mom's, you know, she's a real politically active environmentalist mm-hmm. and I I totally have different aspects of both of my parents, but I definitely went against the grain. <laughs> yeah. On a lot of other things, but. And then with the tattoos, it's funny. Someone was saying, how could you just, like, that's such a, like, permanent decision. And I honestly, I can't even explain it. It was almost, yeah, like jumping off a cliff, sort of. Sure. <laughs> Getting a tattoo. You're like, well, it's never coming off. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, my dad said that I was just sort of born with this, like. Would you get in trouble? Oh, yeah. Really? I was a bad teenager. <laughs> when did it? I'm still and making if, up for it today. Really? Yeah, well, I mean, I have a great relationship with my parents, but between the age of, like, 11 and 15, there was a lot of friction. And so what uh, what chilled that out, if you don't mind me asking? Um, moving, to, moving to Oregon, I think just having... And it's nothing against Hawaii, and I love Hawaii, and that's, like, my original home. I'm Hawaiian. I'm connected, you know, I have a deep connection to Hawaii. But I think I just was one of those people that needed to, like, go further mm-hmm. and have more options. And in Hawaii, we say the mainland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when I moved to the mainland, I just, I mean, I mean, even just riding the train to, like, downtown, I was like, oh, my God, that's, like, really satisfying. Yeah. Versus I felt, I think I felt stuck on the island. No, that makes sense. But, yeah, just moving to Oregon and... Having all these, I think I kind of started to get into like hiking with my mom. I was Uh like, it's like the resistance just fell off. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It was just, I just stopped, I stopped being a brat. (laughs) No, that's, everybody's got to go through a a few little things like that, I feel like. Um, Yeah. So when, when you're, you're out here, I mean, and you're, you're your own boss. And I mean, you're really, you know, you've got this, you know, your, your days are what you make them. How do you, do you have any certain like kind of daily routines? Like, oh, you yeah. Have, you do? Oh, good. What <laughs> so, are they? So I think I, I told you before we started recording, but my, both of my parents are crazy listers. Like yeah. they have lists. My mom has one of those marble notebooks and she writes her thoughts and everything she, and, and definitely everything she wants to accomplish for the day mm-hmm. in her little notebook. I'm more of a page terror I like to tear the page out when I'm done. So I have a notebook also. And then my dad uses these little notepads and uh-huh. he has tiny, tiny handwriting. Yep. And he writes his, you know, to-do lists. And I guess I just picked that up. Some, I, I, I don't know. It's when I watch my parents doing it, I'm like, oh my God, that's where it came from. Yeah. Nice. But I do that every morning after I, I take some vitamins and such, uh-huh. you know, um, cause I feel like you should do that first thing so you don't forget. Yeah. And then I always make my bed. Do you really? Every morning. That's a good habit. If I don't make my bed, I feel, like, disorganized. When did that start? Um, Maybe, like, four years ago. Five read, years ago, maybe. I read some book by a Navy SEAL guy, and he said, 
if you can just start every day by or retire Navy SEAL, but you know, make your bed every morning and then you got to win under your belt and then yeah. you can go. Well, and then I feel like it, it sort of sets, you know, the tone of I'm done sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's time. And, and you know, like that part is done and now we're going to get some, we're going to take care of business. That's cool. So, um, yeah. And then of course there's coffee, but, um, you drink I'm, a lot of coffee. I used to, but now I'm all, I'm only allowed to have one a day. <laughs> That's impressive. I'd like to cut back on my coffee, but I can't. It's hard. <laughs> it really is. What vitamins and supplements do you take? Oh, I was wondering. Yeah. So actually, um, right now I'm taking different vitamins. I used to, uh, well, I guess I kind of have to say that I'm having a, a kid in July. <laughs> Are we cool to say that? Yeah, that's fine. Awesome. The big the, the news breaks here. Yeah. So exciting. Well, I mean, you got, it is so cool. You're going to love it. Yeah, I'm so excited. So I was taking a lot of... Um, oh, I didn't even mean... When you were saying vitamins, I didn't even think about prenatal. I wasn't, well, it's not um, even just prenatal. You know, uh, I actually eat really healthy. Um, health and fitness is really important to me. Yes. But I'm just being a little careful. I'm just taking a little extra, like... Omega and DHA should. and um, but I also take I'm a I love spirulina chlorella. What does and, that do? Um, they're from okay. This is terrible. I'm like really bad at describing no, that's what's fine. in the vitamin. No, that's fine. But they have a lot of iron. Um, mm. they also detoxify. Uh, it's really good. I think for jewelers because they actually um, they protect you from heavy metals. Mm-hmm. Um. And I wouldn't say, like, definitely don't quote me on any of those, but that's what I've sort of been led to believe. Yeah. And then my midwives just, I actually stopped taking everything. And then when I talked to my midwives, they were like, take this and this and this. And I was like, oh my God, that's what I was taking. And they're like, well, and it also gives you energy. So I'm actually in the second trimester, so I'm feeling more normal. But the first trimester was pretty brutal. I was really fatigued and nauseous <laughs> it's amazing how that can differ like yeah my, and then you're like oh now i'm even more pregnant and i feel better <laughs> yeah when I, on our first one my wife was completely fine um the whole time and then the second one that first trimester was an ass whipper really? but then it's like almost oh. to the day it, to the day it's just like yeah like, all good so and then but before that there's a company called um shen blossom okay and actually if people have been following me on instagram you'll see me post about like green msm or they make this really cool like collagen that's made out of seaweed and I just really like their products. So I actually um actually talked to the owner um on the phone uh-huh. and he gave me because I was like, Well, I don't want to take things I'm not supposed to take while I'm pregnant. And so he actually gave me a list of stuff and it's really, really awesome and really, really helpful. So Very cool. Yeah, but it's interesting, like you can't yeah, you have to really think about what you're putting in your body. Even it's if it's a healthy thing. Anymore. Yeah, even if it's normally a healthy thing, um, it might not be healthy while you're pregnant. So, but yeah, um, yeah, all those my green drink, mm-hmm. I guess is what you would say. The chlorella, it um, promotes oxygen in your blood too. Okay. And yeah, but mostly the midwives want me to take it for iron. Well, congrats on that. We'll have to do another one once you're once you're yeah. deep into that because it is a <laughs> it is an amazing experience. Yeah, I'm, we're really excited. And I'm just the dumbass dad. Like I didn't grow the baby <laughs> inside of me. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine uh, how it would feel to be a mom. But anyway, congrats. and I feel like we're in the right place to raise a kid, at least for us. What a cool like, place! Out here, you know, we get to we'll be 
outside a lot. So do y'all see yourselves being here for the long haul? I mean, is this... So I have a dream. <laughs> I want to hear this. I want a dual uh, property okay. situation where I have this property here. Well, we already own it and we're already building a cabin on it. But I want another one either in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. I really fell in love with Northern California, but I'm a little on the fence. I mean, it's an issue and. Oregon and Washington as well, like fires and stuff. Yes. But I really love Northern California and I kind of dream about it being there, but I'm I'm really open since I lived in Oregon for so long, I feel mm-hmm. connected to Oregon as well. And then even just anywhere in Washington, like anywhere that's sort of the opposite of here, like mm-hmm. wet and um just cuz I think that would be cool and then we could pick pick which season we wanted to spend on which property. Sure. So that's my dream, but that's like a, you know, maybe an eight-year, ten-year Plenty dream. of time. Plenty yeah. of time. I mean, I think slow and steady is the way to, to way to go. Yeah. And so, yeah, we'll be here for the foreseeable future, for sure. Especially with all the work we're putting into it, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't walk away. <laughs> it's it's very cool to see what y'all are doing here. Um, so when you think about, I mean, you've obviously got a ton of books. There are some books in your other place over there, and your parents are obviously very influential. So are there any other kind of people you admire who have maybe you don't you don't have to know them, but people that have shaped your kind of perspective and gotten you to where you are now? I think this okay. This might be kind of a weird answer or hard. Way, I might not be able to articulate it, mm-hmm. but sometimes we, when we go backpacking or if you go anywhere historical and you kind of see like the people who, the pioneers, you know, um, or the people who came before you and like how hard everything was for them. Yes. I don't know, like, or the cabins out and, you know, or even not that I think the gold miners really did a service to, sure. <laughs> to the land, but just the hardships people had to go through before it gives you perspective i'm just like wow that was hard and then it makes what we're doing seem easier you know what i'm doing for my work easy um or just even thinking about the metalsmiths that came before Mm -hmm. um you know the native american silversmiths that are masters and i mean they didn't have torches they had like what now would seem like archaic tools, but I mean, they were making beautiful things back then with nothing. Sure. And yeah, I can't think of like specific. No, I think the same thing. People, but I think it's just anytime I'm witnessing history or the hardships that people before us had to overcome. I it's think it's amazing. <laughs> it is. I mean, I, I think that's one of the, I, I read so much history and I feel like it's, it makes me feel better about everything. Just yeah. like generally just our, you know, like you said, how, how kind of cush everything is, even when it's not cush yeah. compared to those days. But then like the political climate, everybody's so mad all the time. But like if you, I'm obsessed with Theodore Roosevelt in his time period, people were just as mad and they were just as mean. Yeah. I mean, it's a little, it's like that on steroids with the social media, but you know, we've been, we've been these places before, I think. So yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. that's why I love history. And I never read a damn book ever in school. Like, anytime I was assigned a book, I wouldn't read it. And now I can't yeah. stop reading. <laughs> I don't know what that's all about. Um, oh, here's – I almost forgot to ask this. What does Cobra Cult mean? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> is it I a could secret? Answer it? Well – You don't have to answer I think – okay, so the best answer I have is 
at the time when I came up with that name, which I seriously think was probably like 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. I was, I really found cults interesting, Mm -hmm. like the psychology of They are interesting. And you know what's really cool? Okay, I'm not saying the communes out here were cults by any means, but there's a lot of like alternative collective thinking Mm -hmm. out here in New Mexico. A lot of interesting history. Not cults, but, you know, communes. Sure. But the cult stuff, I mean, I think I watched, like, every documentary on, like, that I could find about cults. Kind of like weird. Like Jonestown stuff? Yeah, but even, like, beyond, like, you know, you have the Heaven's Gate people. and So, I think I, I liked, I kind of liked the cult. Like, it's just, I don't know, fascinating and weird. And I think I just liked snakes. So, I just kind of combined it. And then it's kind of become its own word to me. Because I've said it so many times. Yeah. That I don't even think of them being separate words. Sure, sure. Just Cobra Cult. <laughs> I like it. I think it is. And it's kind of weird because I think, you know, what I'm into and sort of my vibe is not very culty mm-hmm. or Cobra-like. It's, you know, I think... Like, if I could choose a favorite animal right now, it'd be, like, a mountain lion. Uh-huh. You know, but cobra it is, because I think it's 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 an interesting word when you put those two together. It is. It really... <laughs> You're like, what the... I think people are like, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> I think initially, when I first saw you, like, on Instagram, it, the the name, I was like, that's a... Who is this person? What is that? That's cool. What cobra does that cult? name even mean? <laughs> and then I, I don't think I, like, exude, like, this cobra cultness necessarily, but... It's it's an intriguing. It name. works. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> I think you should stick with it. It has worked. Um, yeah, I wish I had a cooler story about it though. I no, just, I kind of like that. I kind of just like the two words. No, that that makes. I mean, it it's a lot cooler than the word Google or something. You yeah, know, it's just a random like how do they come up with Google <laughs> or Yahoo? Wait, and this is kind of jumping all over the place. But when did Instagram become a big source of your? Uh, I mean, I feel like it's a great marketing tool, but it also it's just a great way for you to kind of tell your story of what you're yeah. doing out here. So Instagram is, it's such a like beast now. Um, When I first got it, I mean, I think if you go all, I mean, I've never like changed my Instagram. It was my personal and then now it's both my personal and my business. And if you go like way back to the beginning, I mean, it's just my personal. So you can Mm -hmm. kind of, it's really crazy. You can kind of see the progression of like who someone is and then become what they become, which is so trippy. Um, but, I mean, it's kind of crazy if you go all the way to the back. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's it's probably, and I, I hate to give it this much weight, it's probably been the most um, beneficial, influential tool that I've had. Because yeah. it's free, <laughs> and you reach thousands of people at a time. And um, But it, it's kind of a curse, Mm-hmm. Because when you're when you're doing it for your business, which I'm sure you know, like sometimes you don't feel like posting a photo, but you feel like you have to. Yeah. <laughs> and I've actually sort of let go of that recently because we don't really have internet here. That's good. <laughs> and I don't have service, but we will have service at the second on the second story of our cabin. So we'll see how I do. And don't tell anybody that. I'll, I'll delete that out. <laughs> okay, so that delete you're, that you're not out. Responsible for. <laughs> For returning but messages. it's been it's been nice to just take a break from it sometimes That's i'm like true. well i don't have service i can't post anything anyways yeah. um but at the same time it's beautiful it's you get to see you know what people are doing and i mean i follow like my friends and then i also follow other businesses mm-hmm. that i support and 
you get to kind of in a weird creepy way like you kind of know what everyone's doing well that's when, when i showed up here i was like oh yeah you made some good progress on your house you yeah know? you're I mean, like oh the roof's on <laughs> i mean and it's very odd but at the same time if used correctly it's really cool because if it weren't yeah. instagram i wouldn't be sitting here we wouldn't know each other yeah and so and it's really neat i do think there's a lot of inspiring stuff on instagram there is. there is also a lot of negative stuff which we talked kind of talked about before but um I try to steer clear of the negative stuff, and I you you are in control of your feed, mm-hmm. so I find it interesting when people get like you know trolls. Um, Do you I've ever been, get that? I've been lucky actually. I've had a few people have some say some weird comments, and I have a zero tolerance, so Done. I'm just like block bye. Yeah, same. It's exactly it's I can choose, Good. you know what what's coming towards me in social media, and if I don't like it, you're gone. <laughs> that's how my that's what yeah my, my and policy. but I, i'm just like why would you even follow someone and just be so negative like just it's pitiful I, yeah and i think that i like to just have positive stuff in my feed and don't get me wrong like the political you know the political climate or like oh my gosh the fires in australia like i'm not going to block that stuff out because it's good to be informed but i'm not going to put negative things out there but I will say if I'm like, you know, this is hard. <laughs> well, people need to know that because I think some people play it up like everything's just ideal and yeah. there's no way around it. Y'all are working hard out here. Yeah. And I think I I think I do a pretty good job of being like, all right. Like I think I posted something yesterday or maybe it was the day before. Where I was like, this is not what my life looks like. Right yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't feel like I was complaining about it. I felt like I was like, this is hard. We can do this. Yeah. We'll go on like some fun trips or do something fun soon. You know, and I think, I think there needs to be more of that and less like the victim. I don't know the like. I want to tread lightly here, but like the world's just happening to you, and you don't have any control over it. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. I've been listening to some like sort of not the most profound self help books lately, but oh, and actually, um, in one of your interviews. Uh, you talked about um, the Daily Stoic. Oh yeah, yeah. So I actually bought that book, and I've recommended it to a lot of people. But that's just sort of that point of view where y- you just shouldn't get crazy, like upset and devastated over things that mm-hmm. like you can't control. Mm-hmm. It's very powerful. If, and if you can control something, do something about it. And yep. so I try to live that way and be in a state of gratitude and try to portray that in my social media and i i never post anything that's not genuine Mm -hmm. yeah so if i'm like not having a good day i'm probably not going to post like today's the best day ever sure but at the same time i probably wouldn't be like i'm having the worst day ever i'll try to i'll try to get into the the daily stoic vibe and put a different spin on it you know no i think i mean it doesn't matter what i think but i just in general, it, I, I love the tone and the content of everything you put out there. And it's, Thanks. I mean, it's, it's authentic and it's, I mean, it made me just really curious. I'm like, man, I need to, I need to talk to her, <laughs> figure out what's going on around here. Um, so I've got a few questions that I like to ask people at the end. Yeah. So we talked about, we already talked about books a little bit. Daily Stoic's a good one. What, and you know, it could be books about the West, could be books about art. Are there any books that just come to mind as being your favorites? And I got this suggestion off your podcast. Really? Also. I need to. Bezos <laughs> needs to Creek. be paying me. I haven't read it. Oh, you haven't read it? No, okay. somebody else. Somebody, somebody else um, recommended some, several it. Several people have recommended it. So that book, and it's Pamela 
Roy? Okay. I'll put a link Don't to it. Quote me no, I'll put a link either. on the, the webpage. <laughs> I have too much in my brain right now. No, that's fine. Um, Annie, that book inspired me a lot. I already was really interested in meal packing mm-hmm. before because I did some um, volunteer projects with my mom with like Sierra Club and then Wilderness Volunteers, which those are both good things you got in the wilderness and, you know, pick invasive species and whatnot. But there were some mule packers brought in the supplies. And I remember just being like, that's a job. Yeah. <laughs> um, with the, with the child coming, that ship's definitely sailed for me, but I read the book and I got really inspired. And I said, how can I figure out how to do this? Totally forgetting that I have a jewelry business to run. <laughs> and I actually went and did, a two-week um, meal packing. Wow. Like, I guess it was like meal packing school. I basically just got trained with the employees of the, the packing company. Okay. But, I mean, that was one of the coolest experiences, and it kind of like the book kind of pushed me to do it, and I was like... Good for so, you. So, that book was the last book, and I actually haven't read much lately just because we've been like... Yeah, you got a little bit going on. Yeah, we've been in the <laughs> grind, and I want to read more. Um but I have a hard time sitting still and relaxing. You need to get some mules out here at some point. So that is the other part of the dream. Um, I don't know how we'll probably have to like bring the mules and the horses to like between the two properties that one day we'll own. But yeah, I'd love to just, I mean, cause you can go like, you know, I love backpacking. It's my favorite thing to do. Yeah. But when you have a mule and horse, oh my gosh, you can go really far. I had um, Chris Iyer on the podcast, who's Mule Dragger. Yeah, I follow him on Instagram. That guy is so interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, what a cool... I look at that and I'm like, man, if I could in another lifetime. (laughs) He's a... You know, he is, he's like a spiritual guru, you know, he's like an expert in meditation and Buddhism. He studied all his religions, but he was also a soldier in the Gulf War. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of like, and those are a lot of those are that's a lot of animals to take care of. <laughs> oh yeah, he that that was a great for people who want to learn about mule packing. Go to that. Um, but I, yeah, that book was that book. I need me. to read that. It's a really good book. I need to read just in general. I need to read more books written by women. I, I realize that I always do like a top ten list of my the book the best books I read. Yeah, and every time it's like all dudes who wrote them, <laughs> and it's not like a, I don't mean to do that. Yeah, but I really do need to make an effort because I think you, you, even though I try to expose myself to all these new ideas, I'm still in my bubble. That'll be next on my list. Yeah, I really liked it. It was a really. Um... Not an easy read in like a bad way. An easy read where it was just really enjoyable. I didn't want to put it down. Okay. And then I also want to go to all the places in the book, which is usually what happens when you read a good book. I'm sure. like, I need to go there. Okay, good. That's on my list. Yeah, so I'd, I'd say that's the book I would choose to. Um, I normally ask about films and movies, but I don't think y'all are why. Do you, do you have any films and movies? Um, well, I, I know you asked about the documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually was thinking about it and had the hardest time. But then I was I realized that, it's this documentary called Happy People. Mm. If you, it's a year in the taiga. It's Siberia, I believe. Oh wow! Oh my gosh! It's it's they follow this mostly this one guy, and mm-hmm. I mean it is cold, and he, he's like a a trapper, and he just I mean talk about hardship. It's like I mean it's colder than cold. Wow! <laughs> and you know they're they're getting all their own food. I mean 
sustainable. It's just amazing how they live. But yeah, that's a really neat one. And it's a really like, it's not, it doesn't leave you thinking, oh, the world's going to end like a lot of documentaries. Sure, do. sure. That's um, a good one. I've never, I've never even heard of that. He, so. he goes out and he, he's out in the middle of nowhere and he like chops a tree down and he makes skis. Oh, really? Cross country skis just there. Like, and then he, then he skis off on them. <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah. It's. Happy people. Okay. A year in the taiga. All right. I'll have a link to that. When you think about all the places you've been in the West and Hawaii, we'll count that too. Is there one spot that's your favorite? Well, Trinity County where I used to live. I mean, obviously I love New Mexico, but the Trinity officer, like that's it. my, yeah, put my, throw my ashes over there. <laughs> okay. Nice. But I've then I'm currently obsessed with the Wind River Range. And I had big plans. I was going to go on like a two-week backpacking trip this summer, but no, I'm not. <laughs> Maybe in a couple of years. They'll be there. Yeah, they're spectacular. And I, I just, haven't explored them oh, as I should. I want to go. <laughs> but that's like the National Outdoor Leadership School Knowles. That's where it all started because yeah. they were like, these things are remote. They're hardcore. This, I mean, it's it's the real deal. There's yeah. a special uh, species of trout up there that you can't really oh, find. Oh, cool. You only find there in the Sierras, golden trout. They're in those high alpine lakes. I've been to the golden trout wilderness. Yeah. I don't know if there's Is that in the Sierras? Be. Yeah, in the Sierras. Yeah. That's where we want mule, mule packing. Oh, really? And yeah. It all comes around. No, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. They, they, so those are in the Sierras and the Wind Rivers. Yeah. I don't know how they got there. I just, one day, it's on my list. That's actually the top of my list. <laughs> Yeah. But I'm like, oh, they have grizzly bears there. That's the <laughs> I don't know if we want to bring uh, We'll see how old the kid can be before. I want Cody to come with me. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah, he could handle a grizzly yeah. bear, I think. Yeah. Um, so two other questions, and they're both kind of hard. But um, what's the best advice you've ever received? Hmm. If you I have like a double answer for that. Okay. And so a quote that I like, and I honestly don't know who said it, so... If you know who said it. I'll look it up. That's who it was. Uh, it was like, uh, life is school, pain is the lesson. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't take it away as like, oh, life is pain. But it, you learn so much more from painful or hard experiences. Mm -hmm. I don't, like, I don't look back and say, oh, wow, that one day everything was so easy. Wow, I really like grew a lot that day. So I feel like that resonates with me. And then an old mentor, I kind of had a jewelry mentor for a while. He was awesome, but crazy. Mm -hmm. But he used to always tell me if I made a mistake, he'd say, well, if you can, make it look intentional. <laughs> and I was like, and then, and then every once in a while you do something like you stamp something weird and you're like, okay, that's not what I was going for, but will this work? Yeah. And then, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Oh, and then sorry to like. Have you ever heard? Have you ever seen that? I think it's a meme where it's like the artist process. Yeah, I have the one where it's like this is gonna be awesome. Uh -huh. I mean, that is. I think about that like meme every day. I'm like, this is literally what happens to me. I think you sent that to me one time. You sent that to me on oh, Instagram. Maybe, you yeah. did. You did. Um, I think it's on I don't my phone. Even, yeah, it's like that's where I saw it. This is gonna be awesome. This is hard, and then it's like this sucks this is not going to work and then this might work and then this is awesome. So it's like the process you go through. And I mean, I would, I think it's pretty safe to say that a lot of artists probably go through that same process. And it, it's funny. It's just, I think it's just, I don't know who, maybe someone 
the original person who said that was like a philosopher or something, but I did see it on a meme. So no, I've seen that before. And I think it's very true. I mean, I'm not an artist like you, but just in anything I do. Yeah. I mean, just like, that's so true for me. Go down this little valley. And then when you get out, I mean, could you imagine if you were making stuff and you're like, this is, oh my God, everything I make is so awesome. Like there's no self doubt. I'm like, wow, that person, how did you get there? (laughs) You're either a narcissist or you're making something that's very boring. It's not art. You know, that's what you're talking about, you know, if, if you mess something up, but that's what makes your art your art. I mean, if it's yeah. per- perfect, quote, perfect, that's from a machine or a factory. Yeah, that's and what, I don't make That's not what things. you do. No, it's yours. I make solid things that won't break, and I think they're beautiful, but they I definitely are. I would not say perfect. So, kind of last question. Um, you said that you get emails from people asking, like, how did you get into this business, and you know, the people that listen to this podcast, they love like this landscape we're looking at right now. Yeah. They love the West, whether it's through, you know, through art or history or conservation, whatever. So do you have any just general advice or words of wisdom from what you've been doing? Definitely. Um, I've had a lot of people say like, wow, you're living the dream. Like, how do I get there? And I'm always like, oh, I could sugarcoat it and be like, oh, it's so easy. Like, just follow your dreams. But I mean, there's a lot of self-doubt that comes with, you know, having a big dream or, you know, working for yourself, especially as an artist. I mean, the artist process is a Mm -hmm. good example. Uh, Just hard work, grit, and then just even when you think, okay, maybe, maybe I don't know what I'm doing, but just do it anyways. Mm -hmm. And then what's the worst thing that can happen? Like, you're going to (laughs) fail. Yeah. And then you'll learn from the failure. But I think to, especially like living out here, the way that we live, it's very rustic. It's definitely not comfortable all the time. It's not cush, but the benefits we get, like if you are really just wanting to live close to nature and you want to hear the birds singing and not like the highway, then this is the this would be a good place for you. Definitely. But hard work. I mean, there's no way around it. I mean, mm-hmm. you just, there's no easy, there's no easy button like in that commercial. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and also get ready to like spend a lot of time by yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think being able to spend time alone or just like, I think I'm really fun to hang out with. I hang out with myself all the yeah. time. <laughs> and I think knowing that that's, part of it too especially if you're an artist like i'm sure you know like the other artists i mean you don't like paint or make jewelry in a room full of people Mm -hmm. usually alone by yourself and so get comfortable with yourself and yeah i mean and get comfortable pushing yourself past what you think you're you know what you think you're comfortable with i think that's great that's great yeah Well, thank you very much for taking the time, especially with everything y'all have going on. This was really fun. Hey, it's Ed again. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast, and thanks for listening to that particular episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Before you go, I've got three quick things. Number one, if you like the podcast, please do me a huge favor. Either pass it along to a friend who may be interested, share it on your social media, and or go to iTunes and give it a five-star review. All those things would mean a lot to me, and they would really help to spread the word about the podcast. Number two, if you've listened to many of these episodes, you know that I love reading and I love talking about books. 
every other month I send out a quick email with a few books that I've recently read and highly recommend. The subjects are varied, but they're pretty much all nonfiction with an emphasis on history, biographies, adventure narratives, and topics related to the American West. There are no sales pitches for ranches, no spam, no other kind of nonsense, just books. So if you'd like to sign up for the list, head to Mountain and Prairie slash reading, or just go to Mountain and Prairie and there's a massive tab at the top that says book recommendations. Click on it. There are a ton of good books that I've read. Some of the old email lists are on there. Uh, you can go crazy. There are a lot of books. And finally, if you know anyone I should interview for the podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. All my contact info is at mountainimperial.com, and I'm on all the social media stuff, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, blah, blah, blah. So feel free to reach out. I'd love to have some recommendations and suggestions of interesting people I should meet. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Thank you.